Yeah, so occasionally people will DM you wanting to be friends. I've uh, It's happened to people I know. They're like, hey, let, let's go out for a drink. Let's grab coffee. Someone on the internet has decided your social media is interesting enough. They want to get to know you. And it's a very brave thing to do. Mm-hmm. It's also creeps me out a little. I'm an adult man. Unless I don't, it's a man, it's not then happened. you're not allowed to do this. Uh, men aren't allowed to do this? <laughs> not to women. Don't oh, do that. No, not don't to women. Shit. I'm going to delete but it immediately. What about the, to the gay examples... men? <laughs> no, gay men are allowed. Girls, gays, and theys only. <laughs> We're rolling. We're rolling. All I know, tap, tap, tap. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the wedge neighborhood right now. 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 This is not your usual episode of the Wedge Live podcast. This is kind of a self-help episode. It's a feel-good, kind of improve your quality of life, make you feel better. And I'm going to tell you what, I, what I'm going to title it. Uh, how to make friends in Minneapolis, stop being lonely, and be happy forever. Do you think we can deliver on that, the four of us? No. I was going to say yes, but now if Peggy Sue's voting it down, <laughs> unanimous or bust. <laughs> be happy forever. That just seems unlikely. I, I felt like you should take the George W. Bush approach and you need to set the bar down here. And then when we like, somebody is like, oh, I listened to your podcast and I made a friend. Like, we can come, yeah, success. <laughs> but now the bar is up here, so it's too late. <laughs> I think it will enrich lives. I really do. Uh, and let me introduce my friend, my uptown guy, as I call him, Ryan Brown. Uh, my other friend, Alyssa Shuffman, and my final friend, Peggy Sue Amihi Bean, who has resolved her audio issues, and we're, we're going to talk about friendship. And one of the things, a few things have inspired this episode. One, I listened to a podcast interview with some women who wrote a book about friendship, <gasps> the importance of friendship. Wait, so I, did I didn't read, read the, book. the book. I did read the book related to this. I also read it. the book. You did. In the last five days. Brian yes, said, you both? Brian said, oh, you read the book this episode's based on. And I said, I did? I clearly don't read emails well. Another thing is the pandemic has really just punched us all in the gut, destroyed social lives. It's been very dark, dreary, depressing. Living in Minneapolis hasn't been fun the last couple of years either. Uh, so friends are more important than ever, I think. And so I... And the final thing that inspired it is I read quite a bit of Reddit lately. I just lurk and I read what's on people's minds. Some of some of it's uh, disturbing, but a lot of it's a little bit enlightening. And a very common post style on Reddit is I'm moving to Minneapolis next week or a couple of months from now. And I've heard that it's an awful place to make friends. The people are cold and distant and clickish. And I... I think some of that's like a Minnesota reputation, not necessarily Minneapolis. I think we'll probably have to distinguish between Minneapolis and Minnesota quite a bit in this episode. But people are concerned about it. And a lot of the replies to those style of post is, I've been living here for two years, five years, ten years. And you're right. I don't have any friends after all that time. 
No one will talk to me. And it's kind of sad. I don't. So uh, that's the introduction. Okay, we're ready to go. That's why we're doing this episode. We're going to try to help people understand, come to an understanding, and maybe they learn something and they find it easier to make friends. Okay. Can I Sound good? Can I start off by saying two things? Peggy Sue, I think we, we will let you say some things and also talk about the book that I haven't read. <laughs> so my first thing to say is that I gifted this book to every single person in our wedding party. It was like such a powerful book to me. I loved it. Um, the book that we're referencing is, um, by Amina Tuso and, oh my gosh, now I can't, and, and, uh, Friedman. Anne Freeman, thank you. Um, it's called Big Friendship. And I, like, I read it last year and it was just like, it changed my perspective so much on my friendships. So I gifted to everyone that was in our wedding and like spent $1 billion with bookshop.org. Um, <laughs> And, uh, how many people are in your wedding? Oh my gosh. We had so many people. Um, <laughs> clearly my takeaway from that book was not to call my friends, but to just add more of them in a more meaningful way. Um, and, uh, no, 10 out of 10 book, but I also wondered, is it helpful for us to all say how long we've lived in Minnesota? Cause I feel like that's a very, that adds a perspective if people are all, I think so. All yes. Minnesotans. So I grew up in Minnesota and have lived here my whole life. So you probably have a lot of childhood friends. I don't though. That's the unique thing. Oh. Yeah, that's surprising. Wow. Yeah. I I have lived in Minneapolis in the wedge actually since 2012. I've only lived in the wedge. Uh, so I, I do not have a very broad perspective here. I have a very limited neighborhood based perspective as usual. Alyssa, how long have you lived in either Minneapolis or Minnesota? Uh, I mostly grew up in St. Paul. Uh, we moved to St. Paul when I was six years old. Um, and then I went away to college and sometime after college and uh, have mostly lived in Minneapolis as an adult. So a lot of, you know, it's like my grandparents taught it, uh, like my grandma taught at a school in St. Paul. Uh, you know, I run into people who are like, did you know Yvonne Shuffman? I'm like, yeah, she was my grandma. I'm one of those. <laughs> People probably may not know this about me, so I'll go ahead and share that like I was born in Billings, Montana, and uh, when I was younger, my dad worked for the railroad, and so actually as a kid growing up, moved around a lot. Um, came to uh, Minnesota um, when I was in third grade um, in uh, the suburb with the terrible name, Coon Rapids. Um, and, uh, and, uh, um, so actually after, uh, being there for four years, the railroad was ready to have us move again. And my folks said, no, it was time to like stay in one spot. Um, and, uh, and so it was really interesting though, because even as a kid, uh, I definitely could see some of those differences where it was like, we would talk about their family get togethers and stuff. And, and it was like these big to do's. And I'm like, my family is all across the nation. Like, I, you know, I'm just like, what is this sort of, uh, uh, situation? But, um, uh, but for all intents and purposes, being that I was here since third grade and I, I really am a very Minnesotan and, um, also went, uh, uh, out of state for college, uh, um, but returned and, um, I've been in Minneapolis, um, 
probably since uh, I think 2011. It's been it's been great. I love it. Well, I was just saying that it's uh, this is a unique perspective of mostly all Minnesotans, which is maybe John, you're the only person who can talk to the actual experience of making friends. But you kind of alluded to it, right? That like. Minnesotans are notorious for having like three childhood best friends that they've never parted ways with. And then you can never make friends with anyone else like ever again. Um, And I, I grew up in like, you know, just North of Minneapolis. And so I switched to elementary school as a kid. So I think that disrupted my ability to make like an elementary school friend who's like the friend for life. Um, and then I was so ready to be done with high school, um, that I was like, if I never see any of you guys again, good for me. Super love that. Uh, where I do think quite a lot of people from my high school are still pretty close. Um, I have one very good friend that I've known since the fifth grade, but we didn't reconnect until college. Um, and I think it's still sort of that where like, we have a lot of history and like love and excitement, but like, I am not the typical Minnesotan where like. I have like a friend group that it comes from, from very far back in my life. Cause that was just never something that like I ever had as like a kid or a teen. I will say that like, I got very fortunate in my current friend group. I met in college while working and they went, most of them went to St. Thomas and I went to a school that shall not be named. And, uh, and in that made friends and like, that's where my current friend group comes from. But I think that, uh, you know, I can definitely see the like exclusion of even that group where like we haven't made mo- we haven't made a lot of new friends that aren't people's partners <laughs> since we became like a friend group. And I think that that that's really like to me, the antithesis of like Minneapolis friendships is like you meet five people who all really <laughs> like each other. You let those people meet partners and you will let their partners in. And occasionally you will maybe see one of two of their friends like one ring out, but you will not make a deep friendship with anyone outside of that circle. And as Minnesotans, we feel very comfortable with that. We're like, we like this and we know it. No need for more friends. Uh, and I think that made me very hard for me to make friends in grad school, where like I came away from grad school with where people had moved to the Twin Cities and were looking for friendships and looking for, um, you know, that community. And I didn't really need that because I had already had that coming into grad school. And now I have some degree of regret, right? Because like, I know people from grad school. I made tons of close friends from grad school, but not to that like level that I saw other people make friendships because they were building that community for themselves. Um, so I'm so thankful for my friend group. I think it's gotten me through a lot and and I have beautiful memories and like still to this day, love these people that I've been friends with for a decade. Um, and at the same time, it definitely prevented me from making friends during like another very meaningful time in my life. So I think that that's like to sum up Minnesotan friendships is really this like making a core very tight-knit group of people and then like never feeling the need to add to that ever even if you meet someone who's lovely. As the person who arrived in Minneapolis, Minnesota as a fully formed adult, uh, I have actually had the exact opposite experience of the stereotype and again I have only lived in the wedge and have that experience of the greater wedge area. So it's a lot of fellow transplants, city dwellers. uh, And I'm not a person who makes friends easily. I am now. It feels like I am now the person who makes friends easily. Uh, But that's not the kind of person I am. I'm very happy being off by myself uh, for long periods. 
not socializing a lot. I can do that. I can withstand that. But I do I do enjoy it uh, being a social person. I've always thought of myself as an introvert, but uh, I'm now slowly uh, becoming. Uh, sometimes I feel like an extrovert. I don't know what I am anymore. And I feel like Minneapolis has been a very open and welcoming place for me. So I don't have that Reddit experience of I've been here five years and I don't have any friends. I'm moving. You all are terrible. One of the things I think accounts for that, and it's probably because like the wedge is like the center of the political universe, uh, is there's a lot of things to get involved in politically and those circles uh, like I've been involved in transportation, housing, politics circles, and like these are very welcoming people. They want they want to bring you in. Uh, I read a lot of streets.mn be, before and after arriving to Minneapolis, and there were social events, and you got to meet people that way. So my advice to people who are struggling to make friends is: What are you interested? Find those people who are also interested in those things. If it's politics, great, because uh, there's a lot of activist circles you can throw yourself into, and those people socialize, and you can be a part of that. I I, I don't think you're going to have a lot of luck like going to a bar and making friends. Uh, be more interesting than that. That's my advice. What are you interested in? Share it with the world. Have those people share their interests with you. Uh, I think you will have a lot of success, especially if you live in the wedge. Move. This is a plug to move to the wedge. It's great. It's nothing like Minnesota. Uh, people are very open and welcoming. <laughs> who who wants to go next? I don't know I what exactly I word. I do. What's <laughs> go, Alyssa? No, I want to complicate this narrative that uh, we are all sharing a little bit around what people mean when they say like the Minnesotan way, because the, there's a lot of that that's like coded as white Minnesota. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and I think like bringing it back to the book, big friendship very intentionally takes like a full chapter of the book to talk about friendships and race and what it is like to experience a friendship as a white person. And in this particular case, as a, as a, a black person, as an African immigrant. Um, and I think when I, like, there are ways in which very specifically folks who are immigrants coming to Minnesota experience the act of trying to make friendship that is very different than white people coming to Minnesota to try to make friends. And so I just, like, I want to name that because uh, a lot of us are white <laughs> in this virtual room. Um, and I think it's, you know, as we think about, like, I, I both want to, echo the thing that you said john which is like yeah of course you're gonna make better friendships or in my that's a that's a judgment uh you, the friendships that you make that are around shared values or shared interests are likely going to be more meaningful for folks right they have been more meaningful for me and there is never not a situation where that is complicated um for anyone white people included whether or not they realize the fact that like their race is a complicating factor in, in any relationship that they have. So I don't know, that's just like coming to mind as we're having this conversation that I want to push back against this notion that like ex all Minnesotan experience friendship exactly the same way. Cause I don't think we do. And I think there is a, a race is a big factor in that. I'll agree to Alyssa that like, when I think about like, you know, 
my dad coming here, the friends that he had, which then like my childhood closest friend who I am still friends with today, but not in the way that we were when we were like seven was just another Moroccan person, right? Like that just was like, yeah, we'll like, we'll be friends. Like, well, and I think that like the immigrant experience is much more similar to that where it's, you know, people using shared community to build friendships and families and connections and um, network and resource. And so uh, I agree that like, that I think the way that we've, I, at least I framed kind of like the Minnesotan, like the Minnesotans will invite you to the barbecue, but they'll never actually give you the address kind of friendship that exists, um, exists very like in a context of whiteness, a hundred percent. So how has everyone's social life endured or been transformed by the pandemic? Ryan, I, I will, I will go to you. You're my uptown guy. We spent a lot of time, uh, taking walks. There, there was the unrest of both 2020 and 2021, where we would go, we would walk through uptown after Winston Smith was killed at the parking garage. The summer before that, we stood at the top of that parking garage and watched the third precinct burn. So you and I spent a lot of time outdoors because of the pandemic, like watching the city change uh, and and have have that uh, public safety debate. So can you speak to that? How, how your social life has been impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, I, I will talk about uncomfortable subjects a lot sooner with people who I don't know, which maybe doesn't help me, uh, make friends, um, (laughs) anymore. Um, but, but more seriously, like, uh, like um, what what for example like what what's the uncomfortable subject that you just introduce <laughs> immediately i mean you know do we want to talk about uh you know how our police department is is failing us and and our political leadership has been failing us i mean police that's... abolition at parties welcome <laughs> it's a great club <laughs> <You know>. um <laughs> it's just you know it's funny that you say the word and uh, abolition and it's like one that i haven't quite like embraced or, you know, I'm understanding that it's complicated and, and that, um, you know, uh, and I guess, you know, that's, that's part of what, what makes it an uncomfortable topic is because I think people are all dealing with it and they're dealing with it in very different ways. And, and some people are wanting to just go with what they know and, and, and pull into what's comfortable. Um, and other people are taking the opportunity to, uh, you know, explore, um, and that, you know, and it actually that, that being uncomfortable piece is, um, something that I thought about a little bit when I knew that this was the topic of the podcast as well, was just that, um, whether you are, you know, seeking to make friends, um, or, um, or even sometimes, you know, with people who you've known a while, like, Sometimes you do have to lean into discomfort a little bit uh, to get to the place that you might want to be, you know, um, and that might be uh, in different ways. I mean, being vulnerable. So, I mean, I say going to those uh, <laughs> bringing up uncomfortable topics, but in a way that's me being vulnerable too, just because I'm like, wow, didn't dealing with a lot and, and I don't, I don't have maybe the patience that I felt like I used to. And I just kind of like cut to the chase, like 
here's here's where I'm at with these things, and and um, maybe that's an abrupt way of, of showing what my values are, and then <laughs> people can be like, whoa, too much, or or hey, let's talk more. <laughs> I think I think you have to be okay with being weird, a little weird. Oh, and what? also I ha- I have <laughs> I'm I kidding. have no patience. I'm weird. I have no patience for the small talk. So I think like introducing some obscure thing that you're interested in into the conversation immediately. Like I met someone at a friend's like holiday thing and it's a bunch of people I have no interest in. They're not interesting at all. And I I don't want to do small talk. And I found a person who was interested in politics, uh, city politics specifically, and we could immediately like talk about Jeremiah Ellison or some like street reconstruction issue and we hit it off immediately and I didn't have to spend five minutes being interrogated about what I do, where I'm from, a whole bunch of personal details that are not interesting to me at all. I like your coffee. Like I like cutting to the chase and if we if we hit it off on the things I'm interested in and I feel like this is kind of a selfish way to be but also very effective. Let's talk about what I want to talk about and if we're not interested in that we don't have to talk at all. How do people feel about well, that? Well, I think you can. it can be also more reciprocal, right? Like, this is what I'm interested in. What are you interested in? Do either of those things align, right? Um, and I don't know, just going back to the book to one thing for me that that book, I really recommend people read this because I don't think it's a terribly long read either, but is really talking about, like, what are your, like, biggest friendships and how do you invest in them, right? So, um you know, I think that was the place and, and the book really talks about the struggle of these two women who have a business together, like a very successful business um, and are really struggling to st- also. And it's, you know, it's not a full time business. It's something they're doing part time in addition to day jobs and other relationships and, and not living in the same place and um, how you invest in people. And I think that was what was really transformative about that book and also reading it in COVID and feeling like at this time where like I wasn't seeing a million people and I was very much a person who overscheduled myself and really um, wanted to be everywhere, like having FOMO if I wasn't like at every single thing, like very overbooked. Um, And so to read this and then really have that transformative thought of like, oh, like some friendships mean more, like they mean so much. And like you can also have like you can invest in those really strategically. And also, um, you know, you can when you do that, then you can have like this deeper level of intimacy in those in those relationships and you can be more authentic in them um, and make them more meaningful. And I just think I read this at the same time as, as my best friend and like just being able to say like to that person and, and at the exact same level, say like, you're a big friendship to me. Like your friendship is so big that like when we can talk about, you know, how this friendship isn't meeting my needs or what I need from you in to support me during certain things, like that was so powerful to know that like, I can have that. Like I, and I, you know, one thing is like, for me is like, if someone is mad at you and they choose not to tell you, like they can take that to the grave, like God bless them. Like that's all you. Um, but you know, someone who really cares and, and means something to you will come to you and say like, Hey, this really hurt my feelings or this like didn't work for me. Or like, I don't ever want to do that thing together again. Um, and being able to have that. And so 
I, I really recommend too, if you, you know, if you have some friendships that you really want to take to the deeper level of like connection and intimacy, um, which I think we often associate only with like marital partners or like long-term partners, um, that can exist and be so meaningful in friendships. And during a time where you might still even now be limiting your access to people, it's just, it's so beautiful to invest in, in, you know, a select few people to really have those deep connections with. How many friends is too many friends? 5,000. 5,000? 5, <laughs> a lot of people have very, this may be a ridiculous question and totally meaningless, but a lot of people have like very wide social circles and it feels like too many friends. I run into this with my spouse often because our definition of who is a friend is very different. Um, I need to be able to have like values-based, deep emotional conversations with folks to consider them a friend. And otherwise they are just an acquaintance. And there are lots of folks in my spouse's social circle where he considers those friends, right? So I think like your definition of what is like, Peggy Sue, what you were talking about is like a big friendship, right? Is like sort of my base definition of like, what is a friendship? Like if we can't have emotional intimacy. Alyssa, are we married? <laughs> <laughs> this is also like my husband's perspective. I'll be like, these are, you know, our friends. And he's like, those are not our friends. I don't know them. It's like, we've hung out with them 5,000 times. Yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah. I've seen them. Definitely not a yep. friend. Mm, I hope they don't <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> um. Anyway, go ahead, Brian. Alyssa and I had a moment. Alyssa and I had a moment before the podcast where we were very honest with each other and we Mm -hmm. set some boundaries. And I think our friendship has gone to a bigger, bigger level. (laughs) (laughs) It's that's very meta meta of you, but yes, I agree with that. We'll be right back after a brief message from our sponsor. Wedge Live is sponsored by Dispatch. Reports from the Minneapolis and St. Paul arts and culture scene. Dispatch has recommendations for live music, film screenings, tap room parties, even local pro wrestling. Head to DispatchMSP.com to read interviews with the people who make our cities such a fun place to live and find chances to win tickets to upcoming shows. You can also learn where to find copies of Dispatch's print edition and sign up for their newsletter at DispatchMSP.com. That's DispatchMSP.com. Dot com. This ad worked because I've never heard of Dispatch until now. So It used to be called Secrets of the City. Do you remember oh, that Twitter okay. account? Yeah, I remember them. They were around like a long time ago. But I didn't know they're, they They're came still back. around and known as DispatchMSP.com. That's DispatchMSP.com. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so be, be very honest with people. Uh, it will enrich your relationship, Brian. I think that the this idea, you know, that there are kind of levels of friendship. Um, I even feel like at some point, some of my friends created a friend scale. Like, is this person an acquaintance, a powerful acquaintance? It, it had various levels. I can't remember all of them at this point. But, um, you know, and, and as I hear you speak about the book, Peggy Sue and Alyssa, like that, that is, uh, you know, ringing a lot of bells for me, you know, and I think, I think that's a really important thing for anyone who is seeking friendship to, to ask themselves, you know, what is it that I'm looking for here? Are you looking, you know, for some folks to, you know, be able to have a casual conversation with, you know, 
maybe you enjoy the chit chat or, you know, again, uh, focused on an interest, or are you looking for that sort of intimacy a space that can be shared with, uh, you know, one or more people where, um, you know, you can be vulnerable, where you can have that intimacy, um, you know, and I, I think about that within my own friendships that, you know, I certainly have uh, um, some I don't know, d- deep friendships. You use the word big, I, I'll, I'll, so I'll use that word, big friendship. Um, um, you know, and it's funny to me because it's like, I don't have to talk with this person for like, we, months might go by. It happens now and again. <laughs> we don't speak for a while and then it's just like, it's right there. I haven't missed a beat. You know, we still have that level of... Uh, um, you know, I mean, we know each other so well, I mean, kind of at that point that it's just, um, you know, and, and I know in saying this, there are probably some people who are like, how could that possibly be like a good friendship if you don't like talk to each other every day? Uh, <laughs> and that's, again, it's just, I guess what I'm really getting at is like the perspective, not only of what it is that you want as somebody who might be seeking friendships, um, but also, you know, recognizing that people have their own sort of scale that they're using and, and that, um, you know, I said 5,000 friends earlier because I think at some point that's what Facebook limited people to. You could have 5,000 friends <laughs> back, back when I used Facebook. I also think there's something like very particular about this moment, at least for me, where like, I, I spent many a night early pandemic, like sobbing in my bed being like, if I leave my house, I'm going to literally die. Like that was like my, you know, I think that was a lot of our understanding of the pandemic. And so for me, like when you're literally, I am, this is not an exaggeration, you know, you can ask me like literally sobbing in your bed, thinking that if you go outside of the house and interact with people, you will contract a virus and immediately die. Like, I think that really changes your perspective. So like people who were fringe friends that like I saw once or twice a year, like I'm, I'm probably just not going to pick that back up. Like I, I thought I was literally going to die two years ago. So like, this is not how I'm going to use my time now. <laughs> um, so the hierarchy also sort of sorted itself during the pandemic where like, there are just people that you get got out of this place or are getting out of this place where you're like, gosh, I, I, I can't wait. This is the first person I want to do the outdoor activity with. Once it's nice out, this is the first, these are the first people I want to like sit inside a crowded bar with, right? When that's a reality that I'm comfortable with. And that when it's the person you see one to two times a year, like, no, thank you. I'm trying to get back all the time I lost with those people who mean so much to me. So I don't know. The pandemic really adds a unique factor to this, at least for me. So on multiple occasions on this podcast, Peggy Sue has revealed how she's a 30-something married woman now having a midlife crisis. Is anyone else experiencing that? Is anyone, you don't have to get very specific or make it, make it seem sad, but has anyone felt uh, deeply, deeply affected uh, by the last couple of years and feel like they're having that midlife crisis? <laughs> uh, well, I, I'm, I'm, I, I, don't know that I can say that it's a midlife crisis. Uh, I mean, maybe, I guess. Um, but, uh, but I think, uh, well, in this space, I will be vulnerable here and, and share that like, 
I have uh, uh, come to terms uh, and, and understood now that I have anxiety. Uh, it is something that I hadn't really named before. And with uh, the kind of compounding of both the pandemic and then months later, um, George Floyd's murder and the events that happened after that, um, throw on that I started a new job the day after George Floyd was killed. Like, um, it, it, it was a lot, you know, I always would be like, Oh, I'm stressed. I'm stressed, you know? Um, and, but it was like, but I can handle stress. That's okay. Um, but now I understand anxiety in a very different way. Um, and I can recognize it. Um, and I bring that up and I share that because I think that is a, a feeling that a lot of people have around meeting people and, and getting to know people. And, um, and on the one hand, in the uh, early days of the pandemic, being able to, to um, there, was, there was a part of me that enjoyed the isolation uh, at that point, just because, um, I had so much else that was going through my head and, and, and that, that I needed that. Um, but it also has been very revealing to me. Um, and, and, you know, as I think about what I was doing before the pandemic and I feel like, yeah, I had a lot of, you know, casual friends, powerful acquaintances, um, in that, uh, you know, I could walk into a bar and I know a lot of people and, you know, chat and, uh, you know, do, do, do the chit chat stuff that John doesn't want to do. Um, and, uh, um, you know, and, and it's, I was very comfortable with that. And then, you know, as time went on and then it was like, then when I started to feel the need to be able to reach out to people and, and that, you know, I realized that, you know, the, the sort of core group of friends that I have, you know, and that was, of course, much smaller, um, but, uh, but so grateful to have that. And um, in, in many ways, was I, you know, work through, you know, the mental health struggles that I've had as I, you know, work through with, with all of you, you know, the, the, uh, political realities and, and, and public safety situation and, and the uh, ongoing climate dread that I experience. <laughs> um, and, uh, um, you know, it, it's, it's important, I think, for uh, folks to, um, you know, recognize, you know, that feeling, which can sometimes be isolating that that anxiety can be an isolating thing um is something that a lot of us experience uh you know in various degrees but um you know that uh it you you, you are not alone in that and and um it's okay <laughs> i i'm so anxious all the time i don't know if it's apparent but i am i'm very anxious i can relate to that Alyssa, do you have anything to add? I don't, I don't want to leave you out of this conversation. I feel like I uh, wish we were all sitting around a table with some beers or coffee or water in your case, John. I don't know that you drink anything I, but water. <laughs> it's true. I'm 
uh, solely water. I don't know if I have the technical pe- capacity to bring us around a table and record that. So sorry, no. we're, we're stuck in virtual world <laughs> for <laughs> the rest of time on the Watch Life podcast. No, I think uh, I mean uh, there's a lot. I, I'm not a person with anxiety, but there is a lot in what you said, Ryan, that I resonate with in terms of the act of like trying to have or maintain or grow or end friendships in the context of the pandemic like relating to people was more difficult has been more difficult continues to be more difficult and i think there's this way in which the pandemic for those of us who like really what i will uh the phrase i want to use is take it seriously but i i think that's that comes across as more judgmental than i mean it to be um, but who like, we're really paying attention and like, we're more COVID cautious. Um, there, there was also this thing that happened where with pods, right. Where like some people had pods and some of us did not, I was a person without a pod, right. Um, wherein you were forced into this immediate evaluation of your friendships relative to other people's friendships, right. Where like some people had the closeness with certain groups to be able to pod and do that confidently and know that like these were their people, the ones they wanted to see all the time. They were able to like structure their life around a friendship or relationship in a way that some of us were not able to. And so there was this comparison thing that happened, right? Where it was like, Oh, I don't have it. Like the narrative in my head, right. It was like, I don't have anybody to pod with. Therefore I'm garbage and I don't have any friends. (laughs) Right. Um, And so that sort of thinking is like, obviously deeply just like rooted in an anxiety spiral, even though I'm not a person with anxiety. Um, So just thinking about like, there were lots of things that the the sort of upheaval of the pandemic did do in terms of like giving what Peggy Sue was saying, I received as like giving us clarity about which relationships matter. And then I think also giving us clarity about like, what is the actual state of those relationships in ways that like sometimes is helpful and sometimes feeds into like cycles of anxiety or self-judgment in ways that are like not actually helpful, right? Like I could not pod with my sister because like she was a person with celiacs and like then her wife was pregnant and they were just like not potting with people except for, you know, her wife's parents for like real legitimate reasons, right? And that had that was not that had nothing to do with me. Um and so, yeah, I think there's just like this intersection of the pandemic uh, with a lot of all of our like mental health stuff, our emotional health stuff, our like you name it, that just really amplified things in a really big way. I think that there's so much like, I feel like even pre-pandemic or like during the pandemic watching people like pod together and just being like, oh, I like, I don't have that. Or like these friend groups that are like constantly like on vacation together or whatever and just feeling like, oh man, I wish I, and this is coming from someone who has a friend group that we literally do everything together. Like it's so silly to be like, oh, I wish I had that. Like, cause it just looks like so cute on social media or whatever when it's like, that is so stupid. You have literally that and you're watching this still thinking that you don't have that. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times that in scenarios like that where, you know, you've had that thought like, oh, that looks so fun. And then you maybe reach out to one of those people and was like, oh, like, how was your time? How was it? And then they're telling you it was terrible or they didn't have fun. And like social media is just like such a liar. And in, and in the pandemic, 
then this is that's all you get right because you're not like literally the first year of the pandemic glorious year of my life I just literally played switch and this is as like an extreme extrovert though like working from home between between sobbing uncontrollably in your bed it was glorious and you played the switch you had some it was so high highs glorious. and low lows I <laughs> It was so, yeah, it was absolutely that. It was like, I'm either like sobbing about having to go to the grocery store because I'm definitely going to get catch a pandemic and die. Um, or like, it's just having the best day of my life, like working until 4.30 PM and then playing Animal Crossing for four hours every night. Like incredible. Uh, you know what, if you, if you survive the pandemic in a 700 square foot apartment with your future spouse, like we did, like we're definitely never going to divorce court, right? Like we are made it. But I think in that scenario where your only other like existence is, you know, I, I was literally not even seeing my mom, right? Like I was so scared that I wasn't even seeing like, you know, we weren't seeing our parents. Um, you know, we had like social media showing us like all these things, like the people making terrible choices or these people who are potting and having like these really beautiful spaces. Um and it's just, it, it can be, it can bring out that anxiety to such a new level when you're already experiencing just such like sadness and grief for this like full, you know, I think even now these full three years that we lo have lost and continue to lose. Right. Um, but at the same time, like social media is just such a liar and it's like so fake and like no part of it is real. Nothing is, nothing is real. And when it comes to the internet, um, and this is someone as someone who uses social media a lot, the friendships that you see on social media or like the glimpses into people's relationships on social media is just, it cannot be captured in its fullest and realest way. And so even if you're seeing something, you're not seeing the full picture of whatever those relationships look like. Um, and I think that that has been like an important lesson too in this is just being like having those conversations where then I'm talking to someone and they're like, no, it's been terrible. Or during those pod periods of like, yeah, we had a pod, but then like so-and-so ruined it because then we realized they were going on trips or whatever. And it's like, I don't know. So to me, I think that that's also an important aspect of this. Like social media is fake. It's so fake. It's so incredibly a lie. Um, and, and that is a thing that I like to tell my anxiety. Yeah. Uh, not a single person invited me to be in their pod <clears throat> through the entire pandemic. So yeah, me shame, neither. Shame on, shame on all of me you neither. for not thinking of me, <laughs> for not DMing me to be in your pod. <clears throat> uh, I have a beautiful story of friendship that involves me and Ryan from a very pandemic story. It was May, uh, was it May of 2020 that you and I went to Target downtown? Was oh, yeah. That, was yeah. it May? Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe maybe even April. It's, I don't know. It was late April, early May, around this time. It's <laughs> so before it's the, before the uprising that started. It was at the before very the uprising. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, it's Nintendo Switch related. Uh, I was for some reason I got it in my head that I needed a Nintendo Switch. You did, and so That's why <laughs> I, I did, and I got one, and I was tracking the stock at local Target stores. And I messaged Ryan about it. I don't know if I convinced Ryan he needed one too, or if Ryan had pre-decided he also needed a Switch. So I said, hey, Ryan, it's in stock. Let's go get our Switch. We lined up outside the downtown Target. And you, you can't trust people in a line like that. It's, it's completely honor system. 
And once the doors opened, it was a mad dash to the electronic section at Target. Everyone for themselves. And it was very, it was highly inappropriate because there's, it's the middle of the beginning of the pandemic. And people are like scrambling to get to the electronic section in a, no social distancing was observed. Oh, no. We didn't know how contagious it was. Uh, I think we were masked, right? We had masks I, on. I, I feel that we, yeah, at that point, that was the yeah, thing. I remember wearing yeah. a mask. But it, it felt very inappropriate and very uh, consumer, consumerist of us. But we needed that switch. And I think Ryan and I bonded in that moment of surviving. We we got a couple of the last switches at the downtown target that day. And now Ryan and I are friends for life. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was like the sequel to jingle all the way <laughs> in, the, yeah. in the middle of spring. <laughs> it, was, it was like black, black Friday as the pandemic was raging. The only thing uh, missing was Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> we shouldn't be proud of it. Uh, what what do you do when somebody sends you a DM asking to be friends? No, I don't want to talk like they, about they, this. They... Nope. I want to. <laughs> you don't want to talk about it? I definitely want well, to talk about minute, this. In a minute. First, I want to say that Peggy Sue and I also deepened our friendship over the Nintendo Switch. Okay. Specifically <laughs> Animal Crossing. Uh, because Are you going to give your yeah. friend code? Are you going to send that out into the world on a podcast? You know, oh, if I... hell yeah. If people want to be... My friend on on Switch, you DM me and I will show you my very weedy Animal Crossing. There's the segue. Island. Are you still maintaining your <laughs> island? I feel like I have many cockroaches probably on my island by now. Oh, I am certain my island is a current disaster. I really picked it back up. There was like a moment in January when like the uptick happened and I actually personally got COVID and I like literally couldn't physically move. Um, and the only thing I could do for five straight days was lay on my couch. I played probably 40 straight hours of animal crossing uh and i haven't picked it back up so i don't know maybe there's actually just like dark memories associated with covid and animal crossing and i'm never gonna pick it back up yeah i'm pretty sure my island is weed infested at this point like yeah did you finish your story i mean we got enough of the story it's good apparently strangers should dm all of us to be nintendo switch friends that's all (laughs) and and now and now you're queued up to talk about strangers go (laughs) yeah so occasionally people will dm you wanting to be friends i've uh, it's happened to people i know they're like hey let's go out for a drink let's grab coffee someone on the internet has decided your social media is interesting enough they want to get to know you and it's a very brave thing to do Mm -hmm. it's also creeps me out a little i'm an adult man i don't it's a man it's not happening you're not allowed to do this Uh, men aren't allowed to do this not to women don't oh, do that no not don't to women shit. i'm gonna delete but it immediately. what about the, to the gay examples men? <laughs> the examples no, i'm thinking of is like men girls gays and they's only <laughs> men men doing it to I'm all of men. those perfect <laughs> yeah i yes exactly Alyssa so, is allowed i did do this to a person yes <laughs> oh, did did you dm someone asking to be friends i did i did this to eric moran oh okay did it work out? Yeah. We went and got coffee outside of perennial cycle. Yeah, Alyssa, I felt like you were very solicitous of my friendship at the beginning. I don't know how that's I don't know if my our friendship is worn very well, but I felt like you made a real effort to get to know me. Uh, and I appreciated that. I, the way you're phrasing this doesn't sound like a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
know. I, I'm pretty it, sure it, it is. is. I'm <laughs> not sure she's great at it, but I think you it is. You invested a lot. I, <laughs> I, I enjoy you and the fact that you uh, you went out of your way to to be my friend, I think was a nice thing to do. Yeah. But apparently you've been doing it to Eric Moran, too, so I'm not that special. I mean, pandemic time, to Peggy Sue's point about upset, was like, I did a lot of reevaluation of uh, my friendship relationships and was like, I have not always been the best friend hmm. to people. And also, I have not always invested my friendship energy in people who I like really respect and like and whose values align with mine. And if I'm going to like do that in a context in which it feels kind of like society is falling apart, uh, I want to do that with people who I, again, like and respect and whose values align with mine. So that applies to everyone here. Hi, friends. I think social media is actually a good tool for this. I know I, I know I've derided the idea of DMing someone to be their friend, but uh, Twitter has been invaluable for for creating a social circle for me, uh, building community. Like if it if it stops at like sending tweets to each other about politics and just like venting, that you're not really friends, but. I think it opens the door to to meeting a lot of people, like what I said about getting involved uh, in uh, various causes in the city. Like social media can be a doorway to that. I think it's it's been very useful and, and enriching to me personally, as bad as Twitter can be sometimes. Has anyone else done the thing where you DM a person and be like, I want to be friends? Or is it just me? I, I've been on the receiving side of that. <laughs> You have a very, you're very vivacious and people desire you, Ryan. People want to be near you. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> it's very good Thanks, accepting sir. the compliment. That's a difficult <laughs> skill. Uh, I will say that I think, you know, just bringing this all full circle wedge live urbanist Twitter, like, uh, I have made good friends from, I don't know that necessarily DMing someone and being like, let's, you know, let's hang out and be friends, but just like happy that happening more naturally. Like I think of like Adam and his wife, Lauren, they, they literally came to my wedding. Right. Like, and I had met Adam on Twitter and had, you know, I think at one point he had thought about going to school for planning and we had chatted about that. And then at the wedge live party, we, you know, we took the bus home together and then decided, like, uh, the four of us would go to a movie. And now we're going to go, like, Lauren plays roller derby, so we're going to go do that together. And, like, I think that that happened very organically from, you know, having those connections over, you know, Twitter or from these situations. You know, I think I talked about this already, but there's someone who works for the city of St. Louis Park who, like, messaged me at a work thing and was like, hello, I I have heard you on the Wedge Life podcast. Like, do you want to connect? And now we're going to talk about, like, what our cities are doing around sustainability. And, like, Alyssa spoke at an APA, you know, event for me because I, I har harassed her into doing it. That was not much. harassment. That was, that <laughs> was, was a very <laughs> gentle invitation. And I said yes. And there is nothing about that that resembles the word harassment. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was so grateful. And I think, like, I, I've had those, like, more natural things where, like, just, like, building this, like, network of, like, very value-aligned people who, like, because they're value-aligned from Urbanist Twitter or from this, like, The Wedge live, like, podcasts where, like, or from, like, the Slack group or whatever, it fits really naturally into my life because 
the things that they're doing also really align with the things that I, I want or am doing. So, um, I think that's been the beautiful spot. It's not necessarily just about like DMing any, like, you know, random person you find or follow on Facebook or Instagram. But I think that Twitter has been such a powerful vehicle for that just because I know that, you know, sort of like you said, Jen, at the beginning of this, of like cutting to the chase. I know all these people like share a lot of my similar values and care about the same things and like are going to slot into my existing life really well. Yeah, I've made so many friends in the way that you've described uh, going to an event uh, with a theme around shared interests and you take the bus home or you bike home or you know, you walk somewhere with somebody, uh, don't ever turn down an invitation to an event because <laughs> you you could have made multiple friends, especially if you're new to the city and you feel like your, your social life has been lacking. Accept those invitations. Go seek out uh, events that are happening and go to them and you will find people. I also find that going to an event like that and then DMing somebody like, oh, I saw you at this yeah. event or, you know, we only had a chance to chat briefly, you know, but would love to follow up like that. That, that would be my approach. I'm not I'm not the like. <laughs> there were no events the first year. Of I know. The pandemic, I get it. And I get still it. wanted I to make friends. <laughs> but just, just saying <laughs> that's my style. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate it. And here, here's a tip for me. Sometimes people ask, uh, you want to go get coffee, have a meeting, let's, uh, let's go grab a beer. I don't want to have a beer. I don't want to drink coffee. As Alyssa said, I only drink water. And so I've started suggesting going on walks, which I find to be a much more pleasant way of meeting and having a conversation with someone than to go to, go to a coffee shop, for example. Also, there's so many loud restaurants. I'm going to turn into Andy Rooney from 60 <laughs> Why are restaurants so loud? I can't hear anyone talk. So, <laughs> so take a walk with somebody. Have a conversation that way. It's, it's a lot of fun. You will see things. Maybe you'll see a cat. But uh, every, every half block, there's another conversation starter you might walk past. Go, go take a walk with someone. Build your friendship. I want to know what Peggy Sue and Ryan's friendship advice is. Yes. So do I. Peggy Sue? In in, in terms of like making friends? I don't know. John's been dishing out tips. friend John's been dishing out friendship advice all episode. Yeah, any <laughs> any helpful helpful life yeah. tips that will enrich your social life? Let's let's oh go to goodness. tips. Uh great question. You know what? Again, I like I would stand by like if you're looking to make friends, like Finding that community, it, like it, it exists around anything, right? Like anything that you're looking to to be, you know, be doing or like that interests you, like there's a community that exists there. And I think that's been like, that's the power of the internet, right? Um, I was thinking like, I, I talked about this last time, I started figure skating and then I was like, oh shit, there's a whole figure skating Reddit. And people are like in here talking about everything. And like, I had questions and like, I don't really like, there's a discord for like urbanists that gives me so much straight anxiety. Like it's gotten to the point, there's just too many notifications. I don't do well with it. 
and and that is a beautiful place and i think there's a lot of like lovely wonderful things in it but i just i can't handle it uh sometimes even the wedge live slack where i'm like i'm overwhelmed by the amount of notifications i can never pick up my phone again (laughs) um but all that to say that like i think there's a community that exists around anything that you want to do and i you know i i seeing my friends now that we're like in our 30s like make make new friends like now that we're all married, I think that core group of friends that I have that is still really tight has that that bubble has started to expand a bit as we've gotten older and, and had partners and and moved and bought houses that are farther away from people. Um, and the friends that have been made out of that have been through like reconnecting or connecting through like, you know, the queer dinner clubs or like the queer climbing night at MVP or through, you know, taking a local community ed class or like you know going to like you know even I'm like and sometimes I like recognize this like very Minnesotan tendency where someone's talking to me like at figure skating where like they're clearly trying to be my friend and I'm like ah a new person I can't speak to you um and like I think you know in, in seeking out activities that like are meaningful and exciting to you whether that's like a workout class or a, like a you know an activity that you like or you know maybe becoming like a master gardener or whatever that thing is like these interests and hobbies that you have, whether that's in person or online. Um, I think those people are often doing that as a way to make friends too. So like, that is just such a natural place for like, you know, other people to build that connection and, and whether that, um, you know, you probably have to try a little harder. You have to suss out the people who are there just to like, to sport or to make things or who are actually just like looking for, friendship but I think that you know if you're there looking to make a friend there's a good chance that someone else there is also looking to make a friend here's a way I've lost I've lost some friends uh because they moved to like Kingfield or uh Lindale neighborhood like people decide they want to buy a house it's too expensive in the wedge too expensive in Whittier they moved to Lindale and King or Kingfield or they moved to Longfellow and I never see them again and it makes me think maybe we weren't really friends to begin with because that's not that far. But Ryan, do you have any tips? <laughs> that, was, that was an amazing segue. <laughs> 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 um, you know, I, I do uh, agree with a lot of what's been shared in that, you know, I, you, you want to find something that's that's familiar to you in the sense of like it's a it's a hobby that you enjoy it's a topic that that you're passionate about it's a value that you share um when you're going into a space to um where you may not know a lot of people um because when you have that that thing in common right that makes the conversation a lot easier uh and and so you know if you're challenged by the you know i think as peggy she said oh my gosh a new person like you know like those are legit feelings that people have right you know and um and so when you know that there's that that thing that is comfortable um you can get through that uncomfortable moment of of getting to know somebody or introducing yourself um and i am uh fortunate that I, I think a good part of the time I'm willing to, to, to take that step and, and, and say hi to somebody who I may not know. Um, I'm not as good at that, 
now, I think, as I used to be. That's something I still need to work on. But, um, but yeah, just take a deep breath and go for it because you don't know where it'll lead. And, you know, I, I think, as everyone said here, when you share uh, something, it, it makes for an easy conversation. Alyssa, how do we maintain these friendships, these long distance friendships when somebody moves from a wedge to Kingfield? So long, such a distance. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, how are we even friends? Like this isn't, you know, this yeah. is not Kingfield for sure. Yeah, you're uh, all the way in Ward 4. You barely have enough internet to, to maintain our friendship, uh, our podcast-based friendship, so... <laughs> Bruh, I just don't have enough Wi-Fi. I I do. I'm hardwired in, and that has seemed to solve all the problems. So Peggy Sue, I see you putting the mic closer to your mouth, and it never gets any louder. And I don't think your yeah. headphones are actually doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're totally right. They are. It's okay. It's amazing. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, you're using a different anyways, mic. Anyways, back to you, Alyssa. Yeah. Back to Alyssa. Anyway, um, I mean, I I think the first question all of us have to ask ourselves is like what are our boundaries around friendships because um one of the intentional decisions I made as a person who went to Indiana for college and then spent some time abroad and then came back um was that like I really wanted to like it took me a long time to get to this place but I eventually decided that like I wanted to invest my friendship energy in the geography that really mattered to me, right? And so, like, I wasn't going to be putting a lot of time in, and energy into those friendships for those folks who lived in Indiana. As much as they were lovely humans, like, they had decided to continue to live in Indiana, and I was not going to drive back twice a year to play Dungeons & Dragons with them as much as, much as that was lovely and very, very fun. Um, because it really mattered to me to have folks who had that, like, shared geography in an understanding of like what is the construction of our world so I think like getting clear on that with yourself is the first step and deciding like do do you actually want to maintain those friendships does that matter to you because if you don't that is okay you just should make that as a decision as opposed to just you know letting those friendships dissolve and not having anybody in that situation understand why right like it's really hard to have a friendship dissolve or fade away as the parlance goes um when half or all of the people in that situation don't understand why it's happening um i don't know i think beyond that it's like part of the reason i personally made that decision was because it is very much a value to me to take my friendships offline as much as humanly possible which has been like less possible in the context of the pandemic but i think to all of Peggy Sue's earlier points about social media and the role that it plays, uh, I think maintaining friendships over social media or the internet are really challenging in specific ways. And like for me, very, very draining. For some folks, it's not very draining and they get a lot of energy around maintaining friendships over the internet, over email or over text or whatever it is. But like I need a lot of in-person interaction to bolster any online communication I'm having. Um, and so I made like a strategic choice to say like most of my friendships are going to be ones that I maintain that are like local. Mm -hmm. uh, but I have like a really good friend, really good pair of friends who like moves abroad every, 
they're like living in Glasgow now. They're living lovely life lives. One of them is like doing grad school and the other one is like an internationally renowned bartender and they just like they move every six months to a different country and they know people who live like everywhere all over the world. And that really works for them because they really want to maintain their schedule of travel and having virtual interactions with people and that's like what they need and what nourishes them and they invest deeply for a short period of time and I need the like the longer term relationship so that's not really an answer except to say that like decide what your boundaries are and do what feels right for you (laughs) I think that's really insightful that you know you have to know some about yourself you know as far as you know what are you looking for what are your own needs um, you know, because if you just put yourself out there without any sort of, uh, you know, understanding of what you're looking to, to get from that, um, it, it can sometimes be fruitless or you might invest energy in a place that, that you wouldn't otherwise. Um, and that, you know, I, I think that's, as you were speaking, one of the things that would, I was thinking we've said a lot in this conversation is about intention. You know, when I think about the intention, it's like, you know, um, if you're looking for a, 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 a very um, deep, big um, uh, uh, kind of friendship that um, you do have to be intentional about that and you do have to be willing to invest in that. It doesn't happen entirely organically. Um, you know, the, the, the first greetings or meetings might, might be kind of organic, but, you know, at some point it takes work. And, and, and that's okay, and that's a good thing. <laughs> um, but, you know, recognize that it is, you know, you're, you, will, you will get what you give in that sort of uh, situation. If, um, and um, yeah, when you find somebody who who is worth that investment, that's awesome. I also I think just building off of that, kind of bringing it back to big friendships is like you don't know if you don't know yourself, you don't know how those friendships really like meet your needs or how to meet someone else's needs, right? Like I think that our our deepest, most meaningful friendships operate so similarly to like like romantic relationships and I think that that's that's something that like I really love again about the big friendship book is really thinking about the and I think this is something that our generation is learning more than like our parents generations or generations before them uh, around like our romantic partners and like that those partners like have to fulfill like your emotional (laughs) needs in a way that like I think that people were very like for many generations like this this partnership fulfills just like this need around like a, a you know for women like a provider uh you know if we think about like very early like 1950s 1960s like a housewife and a husband right like there's a lot of like pairing to you know have like an output right like someone to mother your child children or someone to provide for you and as that phrase right that like women are increasingly more independent and like relationships are like much broader than just like a man and a woman right that like the partnerships that we enter into are far less about like economic mobility or about stability and much more about like what we need and what 
works for us and how like the other person like meets those needs and how we meet those needs for the other person. And so um, I think that our like romantic partnerships become much more even like friendships, right? And so the line increasingly as we like select partners, romantic partners who are much more like our closest and best friends. And then we have best friends who are like incredibly important and valuable. Like those things have started to meet in the middle, at least like for me, right? Like where I, I see Nate, my husband as like my most, my best friend in the entire world. I, I love spending time with him more than I love spending time with anyone in the universe. Um, and like, we have so much fun together and the way that we talk about things and the way that we like gossip, right? Uh, like it, it's very similar to this like really beautiful friendship that I have with my best friends, right? And like that, that meets in that similar way. And both of those things are only possible because like I know what I need out of those relationships and how to make both of those things thrive. Um, and, and I think that that's where, like that's what I love about the, again, about this big friendship book is really thinking about like how can I articulate what I need so that like Alyssa said, I can tell someone like actually this doesn't fit in what my idea of friendship is or like to have a good friendship, I need this. And, and that to me is increasingly closer and closer to the romantic partnerships we have where you do have to articulate what you need and what you don't need and, and friendships where you can't do that or where you can do that are so much better uh, versus ones where you can't have those really important conversations. Alyssa, can you give me any sound where you're like trashing your spouse? Because Peggy Sue uh, is clearly very in love and we need someone who has the opposite experience. And I'm hoping that's you. <laughs> I, I don't think that's me. I am sad that uh, I can't help you, John. Um, okay. No, I, I, I like my spouse. And um, yeah, I think um, at, at some point, some of you will maybe meet him. He's not. He's not an urbanist. He doesn't. Yeah, he, do, he doesn't seem very interested in your friends. I have noticed that he doesn't seem interested at all in your friends, and I I admire that. I respect and admire that. He thinks the things we like to talk about are stupid and a waste of time. And I have the same perspective when I meet people. Okay. I, no, no patience for that. You know, it is very helpfully humbling to have a spouse who like doesn't have any idea of the amount of effort that I and my people have put into fix Lindale and then to have him text me that, Hey, the County's doing this conversion and people on Reddit seem to think it's good. Have you heard about this? Like, it's very humbling <laughs> to be like, uh, this is how regular non transportation local politics obsessed folks like receive information I mean, it's a good he's a good sounding board he like, is he's what great. what does your average idiot think about this Just, hey you uh, know <laughs> it's not uh, very friendly john okay, i'm sorry your average uh man on the street thinks about uh, uh a man thing. in a car you're yeah. typically non-engaged resident yeah <laughs> so at the beginning of this episode i was like i've got plenty of time i have nothing else going on today and at the end of the episode we're all like <laughs> and i feel like uh everyone's time is being taken up including all of the people in the audience <laughs> so it's time for our closing segment and i think i think we're going to do recommendations Maybe a fun thing you have recently done with a friend or that a friend has done for you, uh, something like that. I'm going to go first. I'm going to say Ryan 
had a few people over to his place and we played a unicorn themed card game, which I was very skeptical of, but it turned out to be a lot of fun. Thank you, Ryan, for giving me that experience. And I feel like we're closer because of it. Do you have a recommendation, Ryan? It's always a good time looking through the mythical forest for the magical unicorn. (laughs) What is the name of that card game? What's the name? Uh, I believe it's uh, magical unicorn quest. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun. Play it with your friends. I can recommend yeah. it. I will absolutely look it up on Board Game Geek. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I'll have you over, friend. And we can, and we can, Let's we do can, it. Let's yeah, do we, it. We should, all, we should all have a... Maybe that's... Whenever you figure out the, like, around a table, like, version of podcasting, we can do a follow-up friendship episode while we play Magical Unicorn Quest. And we might not be friends after because, you know, we might be stealing people's unicorns. Um, I, I will say one thing that, um, uh, I, I have a personal goal. Um, I moved to a new space and I have a, uh, kitchen that's larger than a postage stamp now. And, um, so I personally have been looking to, uh, uh get more comfortable with cooking. It's something I did before, but I feel like I've lost a lot of it. And so within that personal goal, I have a friend who very much loves cooking and that. And so we got together and made a meal together. And that was a really great experience because again, sharing something um, that like we're both, well, I'm curious about and he's passionate about it. And, uh, and then, you know, I think I, I love food. I love eating. And so being able to eat afterwards was also an added bonus. One of the things I have really enjoyed in the last like year or so with friends is doing swaps of like, like trading labor or homemade goods. Uh, So I like currently have a, I have three piles of mending to do from friends where I just sort of put out into the universe, like, hey, do you want to trade for fermented goods or men, like, I I can, like, hand mend or sewing machine mend things, and, like, what do you want to swap for that? And it's just, like, very lovely, because both you get this insight into people's, like, specific skills, and there's also this way in which, like, even when you're not spending time together, I'm, like, like, I am on the sofa watching a movie while, like, mending my friend's jeans, right? And it's, like, even though they're not there with me, the experience is like, I am thinking about that person and their future experience of wearing these jeans. Um, and then also getting to like learn more things about their skills around like a workout routine or like I had a friend who swapped me. I, um, they bought like, we bought, it was like a, uh, uh, metal knife blank. They're called blanks. And he like hand carved the handle for me. Thank you, Matt. Shout out, Matt. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, So I have like this new like chopping knife where like Matt made the handle. And every time I use it, I get to like appreciate the fact that like Matt made this thing for me. So um, highly recommend if you have hobbies or skills uh, to just like initiate conversation with your friends about like, can we trade these things? These are incredibly wholesome examples. Um, that uh we we just got back from seattle and we visited our friends who are living out there temporarily and 
Um, it was like five straight days of an adult sleepover. Like it was incredibly fun where like we worked from home together for several days, you know, and then we would like, I would text my friend just like uh, the coffee emoji and then like the man walking emoji and be like, and she would pop her head out and be like, do you want to go for a coffee walk? And, you know, we, we watched a ton of like the final four tournament and played a card game called abandon all artichokes. I don't know if you've ever played that extremely fun. Um, and like, it was just like literally every day, like going to sleep in there, like, you know, one bed plus, but then waking up every day. And I was like, for us, it felt like we were at like a little cabin weekend and like everything that we got to do, like we, I feel like it was just such a delight to get to spend. I don't think we often get to spend that much time, that much concentrated time with people. Um, you know, you get maybe a cabin weekend for a day or two, but to be for like five days straight to get to do both things that they really loved in their city that they're in. And then, um, also really like normal things, not all just like straight tourist things, but getting to like make, you know, hand roll our own sushi and then watch basketball. Like that's so lovely. Um, so that was, that was a really fun trip that, that we took recently. It feels very obvious to say, but living with someone or, or a group of people is a very intimate experience. And so I, I have not had roommates. Uh, I haven't really had that aside with, uh, aside from living with a partner, like living with a group of people. And I recently had an experience where I did, I lived in a house with uh, friends, their family for like an entire week. And it's very intimate. And I think uh, it will strengthen a friendship, assuming that you're that they're not incredibly irritating that you don't find out these people are incredibly irritating once so it's a risk but if it goes well it can it can build build a bond John, so are you an only child i am an only child yes that explains a lot about you <gasps> me too. what does it explain about me well because like i am uh one of six siblings and i grew up in the same household with three others three of them and the other two not um, but like you get very used to living with very irritating people when you have siblings because like yeah. you just you don't that's normal that's a thing that happens you don't agree uh, with your siblings we should avoid it at all costs I think that's I think that's maybe my like joy of being in this house for five days with people and being like slumber party is that I was also like an only child so I was vibing by myself most of my life put me put me in a sleepover I'm I'm great. I, I love humans. Those are very good recommendations. I feel like we have grown closer over the course of these one hour and 18 minutes. Uh, th thanks to all of you for joining me. Uh, Ryan Brown, my uptown guy. Peggy Sue Amihi Bean, Alyssa Shuffman. It's been a great episode. People are going to be enriched. Uh, this has been the Wedge Life Podcast. I'm your host, John Edwards. Thank you for listening. This is a real, real, real thing. Real, 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 real thing. None of you have the balls to stop. Stop this. We're in the Wedge neighborhood right now, 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 right now.